Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Attention. <laughs> Listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK. Abort those hairy balls and buzz light year that woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. Your dick and balls need some help for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. Now we're here we are, back again. Maybe I should just leave the little uh, this meeting is being recorded pop-up box on my screen because it perfectly covers your face. <laughs> uh, it's I'm like so popped d- up right in front of your eyes, so it's beautiful. I'm really not used to um, like being the receiver of a Zoom call. I haven't received a Zoom call oh, that's yeah, recorded you, in ages. Yeah, so yeah. I've never been on the... Since I've added that little voice and I haven't been on the other side of one. Yeah, it... um. Yeah, it still surprises me occasionally because even though I spend a ton of time recording like one person Zoom calls because that's how I do feedback and stuff like that, it mm. still like catches me if I'm not quite expecting it. Like, oh, shit, that's right. Who the fuck's in my office? Oh, it's just that stupid recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations. You're out of lockdown almost. Yeah, well, I think by the time this comes out, we will be. Uh, yeah, ramping up to get everything back together, get all our equipment back and cleaned and the gym set up and ready to go. Um, I was caught a little unawares a couple of weeks ago when they announced this. I like, just started rebuilding our website from scratch and a bunch of other like more lockdown-y projects that suddenly have to either get finished very quickly or <laughs> um, put on the back burner for a little bit while I run around and organize my life. So yeah, it's exciting, man. I'm just fucking pumped to have people back in the gym and it not be just a quiet pit of misery that's mostly just my office in the corner that's filthy because no one else comes in here and I'm a slob when no one else is around. (laughs) Although that's not true. My girlfriend's been using my office for the last few days and I had to come in here at 8 o'clock at night and tidy the place before she came in because it was unacceptable. (laughs) No, that's good. I mean, it's going to feel like home again straight away everyone will fit straight back in and it'll be fun yeah man i um i and look i'm just i'm keen to like actually do some training you know like i've i've done a a little bit of training but mostly spend a lot of time on the bike and um yeah i'm just a bit sick of using just machines (laughs) there's there's only machines at the moment i've got no plates left uh, Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to actually lift a barbell maybe we'll see yeah 
Yeah, what's happening up north? You got the Mackay Open Day. That's going to be fucking cool. Yeah, Mackay's uh, Open Day is on Saturday, so I'm going to head up there tomorrow and check that out. Um, the gym's been open for six months, but uh, we finally got the rest of the equipment that we had ordered, so the gym's kind of complete now. So it'll be cool to go there. We're expecting quite a few people to come in and out across across the day. So if you're up north and you're keen to come check out the gym, you feel free to. It's open for everyone. There's some cool stuff happening up there, so looking forward to going up and uh, going up and doing that. It you looks like such a sweet setup, man. Yeah, it's really cool. From really big. The, from all the pictures I've seen, it yeah, it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, the team up there has done a done an amazing job. Uh, what I will miss while I'm up in Mackay is my beloved Prism Coffee. Well, you could solve that problem by taking the little tin of instant coffee that you've got with you, Thomas, and then you've got the perfect solution to travel coffee. There you go. If you want some of this for yourself, head to Prism and enter in the code PEAKSPEAK for a sick discount. I uh, coincidentally went bike riding with Josh, one of the guys from Prism yesterday, <coughs> who I ran into on my way to the place that I ride bikes, and so we rode together. Yeah, uh, nice. He's, he's way better at riding bikes than I am, which is not surprising. Most people are. Uh, but yeah, I had a bit more of a chat with him about the like instant coffee process. Uh, apparently, it's crazy expensive, which is not a huge surprise to me to... Um, mm to get that stuff made but they're already looking at improvements on the next batch of different coffees going in and things like that so yeah it's really cool man it's such a fascinating process the way they can manage to make what is like a very good high quality cup cup of instant coffee that doesn't just have to be that shitty garbage that you get in most hotel rooms (laughs) yeah that's cool i'm keen to try out the next batch um All right, take a step back. You said you've been doing mostly machine-based training since you've had no barbells and plates, or yeah. plates at least. Um, and that's what we were going to talk about today, right? Yeah, for sure. I think um, i just been reminiscing on what life was like prior to what it is now. And one of the things that I think I look back on in my training career, and there's been a few things that I've... I've looked back on and gone, man, I feel like I, I missed out on something because I was so closed-minded in my view of things and I left, you know, bit kilos on the platform for myself or certainly kilos on the platform for clients of mine and, and that sort of thing because I had, you know, opportunities to be a little bit more open-minded but perhaps wasn't. So i am I'm been enjoying sort of reminiscing on, on these things and thinking critically about where I could have been more open-minded. And I think having now access to a uh, like proper dual cable pulley system like that I, I've never had access to in my one uh, gym that I've owned or, or um, trained at consistently uh, for a very long time. So having access to that has made me realize that my the barbell is the only way to do things for powerlifters and for everyone else because everyone else should be powerlifters point of view is probably short-sighted in a way that was detrimental to my own progress and the progress of the people that I coach and having been put in a situation now where like basically the only things I can effectively train on are like a 65 kilo set of dumbbells which is too heavy for me to do anything useful with uh and a cable set up and a lat pull down seated row combo i've been forced to just embrace that a little bit and actually really enjoyed it and i wouldn't say i've like you know flipped my view completely but i certainly am much more open-minded to how machine work can be really effective not just for you know complete beginners or 
that that end of the spectrum where I think it's probably most versatile and most useful. Um, but in the training of powerlifters and more high performance athletes, the value of having access to that sort of low impact, uh, you know, lower specificity options that allow us to get in really quality training volume in a way that perhaps you couldn't do with just a barbell. So yeah, that's, that's sort of what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Like, I think about my own training journey, and like, I started in a commercial gym, and um, uh, you know, followed Arnold's advice basically. Uh, but I got into powerlifting pretty quickly while I was in this commercial gym, uh, yeah. and I just had like a squat, bench, deadlift day individually. That was the start of a leg day, or a chest day, or a you know, back day, or whatever, and then two other bodybuilding specific days. And I use machines like they were going out of fashion. I used them so much in my early training days and it probably wasn't until I got a setup at home and did more training at home when I had no machines with a power rack, barbell and some plates. Um, and then I think, uh, not, not to throw PTC under the bus, but the original PTC mindset was we would never have machines and we would never have yeah. mirrors. Dude, I fucking would have died on that, that shield for a long time. I can't actually remember who was the first one to get a machine because I'm pretty sure at one stage all of us didn't have any machines. Surely it was Marcus and his obsession with collecting 1970s Nautilus equipment. Yeah, I I definitely had one in the first two years and I remember feeling like such a sellout. I bought a a lap pull down from the 1970s for for $300. I remember one of the pulley wheels broke and I took it to like... a place that specializes in refurbishing old gym equipment. And he was like, where the fuck did you get this? It was like an original old school Cal gym lap pull down machine. It was sick. Man, the lap pull down we had up until we bought the one that we have currently, which is like quite nice, uh, was one that I found on Gumtree for $50 that some dude built at home by himself (laughs) and we had to like bolt it to the wall and it was sketchy as fuck we've replaced the cables like we still got it it's currently out the back because i have this vision of securing it to the back wall of the gym and then just doing sick pump workouts in the sun out the back (laughs) um but yeah it was sketchy as fuck but again like actually really very useful and for the 50 dollars i paid for it i got my money's worth Mm. Yeah, it's, it's funny how then, you know, all of our gyms, the people that uh, were, were sort of adhering to that back then are now full of machines. My, yeah. I've got a fucking neck machine. Like how, how useless <laughs> can you get as far as machines go? Uh, I've got yeah. mirrors on the wall. No, no shame in admitting that. Yeah, and it's, it's all these things that like I think we all wore as a badge of honor. Like it was this idea that powerlifting was about the barbell and you can do everything you need with a barbell and you don't need all that crap. And and I think I think back on it now and like a lot of thinking back on my early 20s self, cringe a bit at the prospect of just completely dismissing one whole arm of training that has such a well-proven background in being really good at building muscle and all of those sort of things. Like there's a reason bodybuilders spend a ton of time using machines. And so I think back on yeah early meatheads, John, and think, man, you're just a little bit too pariah-ish for the barbell. So mm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, to some degree, we can do everything we need with a plate and some barbells. It's Man, just like, you don't need a neck machine. It's just a nice thing to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, having access to machines, like you were saying before, there are so many benefits. And, and in my opinion, there's a lot of things that we can do better with a machine than we can yeah. do with, with free rates. Um, I think probably one of the 
certainly not now, but back in the day, like when we were getting into training and we'd, when, where we were going for education, one of the most demonized machines was the leg press. Cause it, it was yeah. about like, it was born not of like the usefulness of a leg press, but basically powerlifters back then being like, I don't care how much you leg press. I care how much you squat. And then writing off the usefulness of the leg press. I would say that in terms of fixing, um, you know, waist down issues on squats, leg press is probably the most useful tool that we have in the gym. Yep. I, I, I'd be yeah. happy to throw that out there. I used to fucking wonk on relentlessly about how I stopped leg pressing when I was 16 because it was fucking useless and I got sick of loading plates onto it because I could leg press so much. I look back <laughs> on it now, I'm like, man, you were just A, a dickhead and B, again, like missing such a big piece of where these things can be really useful because ultimately I think having a good coaching system is one that allows you to take every tool you have available to you and use it in a way that fits into the system. And I think that's where we went wrong was we spent so much time dismissing whole aspects of it without, instead of dismissing it offhandedly, looking at it as a like, how could we fit this into this system or where could it be useful in those scenarios? Because there's so much value in not just a leg press, in all manner of cable-based machines in in ways that I think most of us just would have completely ignored and did for like years. Mm. Yeah. I mean like the the arguments against machines always tend to be weak because they um, don't look at application. And I think that's the problem. You can argue against a leg press by watching someone load up every plate in the gym and moving it a quarter inch and having terrible technique while doing so. If that's your picture of what a leg press is as a movement, of course it's a shit movement. And that, mm. that makes a great deal of sense. Just like with any barbell movement, any free weight movement, it, it's about intent and it's about application. And there's so much that we can do with machines to make this work. I think where it gets tricky and, and where maybe people um, probably need to think a little bit more when it comes to machine-based work is, uh, you know, on that on that thought train of intent, it's it's very easy with machines because of the constraints placed upon you to view the exercise as just moving the machine from point A to point B as the goal. And if it's easy to move the thing from point A to point B, the only way to make it harder is to add more resistance. But that's, that's a, a mindset that we have built in and it kind of um, can diminish the scalability of problem solving using machines if that intent and that focus isn't there. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah, I'm yeah. No, no, that, that makes perfect sense. It's it's about how you constrain the movement because the, the great advantage of a machine is it gives you an environment that's already heavily constrained in a way that makes it easier, like you said earlier, much easier to take these concepts out of free moving space when you've got a barbell in your hands, like in a squat or in a bench or in a deadlift and put you in a scenario where you can really break right down into that one component or that two components of a movement pattern that are then going to allow you to ingrain that as an idea and a, uh, and a movement and then take it and relearn it in other aspects of lifting itself. And I think for me, that's where the real value that I've seen in, in the more beginner, less experienced end of the spectrum has been is in taking people who are 
not necessarily very good at the skill of lifting, giving them some lifting practice and then giving them aspects of training where they can just go a bit hard and really work hard in that environment because with one or two cues, for the most part, you can put them in the position you need them to be in with a well-designed machine and, and an environment that allows you to do that. And that's where I've seen a ton of value is in scaling back the amount of work we're doing to like get strong, I guess, is the way to, to talk about it with the barbell and focus on getting strong elsewhere and then just getting better at the skill of the barbell work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's one of the beauties of um, the positions that we're in is that we can really foster a good attitude around the meaning of resistance when using machines. Yeah. Um, like I think, you know, I've got big, strong people at the gym who people can observe using relatively lightweight for them on a row or a lap pull down. It's like, you're half this guy's size and strength. Why would you be doing the same weight or more weight? There's something yeah. more to it. And it's about the performance of this exercise and the purpose that we're doing it for and everything like that. And ultimately, like the line I'll always use to sell it is like, if, if they're interested in powerlifting or strength training with squat bench deadlift as their primary strength expression uh, modality, it's always going to be like, who cares how much you can lap pull down? Like, what does that actually mean? Are you entering a lap pull-down competition? If not, stop going so heavy, reduce the weight, do it properly, make it hard by doing it properly rather than just adding weight. Yeah. And that's, I think, where having a, a system that explains the concept for the squat, the bench, and the deadlift is actually the thing that we probably all didn't have when we were first mm. getting into this, right? We didn't have a, a top-down approach to, okay, well, this is the the end point that we're looking at for training, how do we then break that down into its component parts in a way that can justify the application of these things? Because I'm not saying you need access to a dual cable pulley system and a fancy lap pull down and a nice leg press, but fuck, it's nice to have. And now that we've all moved past this line in the sand of we're better than you because we don't use machines and mirrors, like there's actually heaps of progress to be made in all avenues of lifting for all levels, I think as well. Mm. Cause especially for like the more experienced end of powerlifters where it's not the same concept as a beginner, but it's, it's a similar thought process in that you're spending time doing the work in the main lifts and then being able to add all that volume in a way that doesn't just hammer you into the ground like it would with a barbell. Cause as you get really fucking strong doing nothing but barbell training can run you into a hole really quickly. If you're not careful. I'm, I'm always so surprised by the fact that people still talk about the connection between free weights and stability. Yeah. Uh, as if, as if, um, stability is just this global concept that then applies to everything uh, or talk about training your stabilizers. What the fuck is a stabilizer? You've got muscles. That's it. <laughs> you don't have muscles that do different things at different times for different purposes. You just got muscles and they do yep. what they need to do when they need to do it. Um, and so like there's this, there's this notion of, you know, training stability by doing free weights. Essentially it's, it's exactly the same argument as saying, Bosu ball squats, train stability. Earthquake bar bench press, train stability. It, it makes you get more stable at a very, very unstable exercise. Congratulations. Yeah. There's a difference between that and training quote unquote stability in a main lift. And in fact, most of the stability training that I would get people to do are on machines or cables. Yeah. 
because you're in an environment where you, you mo- more often than not don't have to manage your body against gravity, which allows you to then put yourself into these really specific positions in a way that then is productive for everything else. For sure. It's, it's, it's about understanding what stability actually is. And stability is two things, which is motor control and strength which is taking joints through range in the positions that you want the joints to be in and then scaling that through strength. You can do that for the aspects that we need on squat bench deadlift with machines, with the constraints that they provide. Simple as that. Yep. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't actually have much more to add to this conversation. Well, to be yeah, honest. I was going to say this is going to end up being short, but I was going to ask you, what, what are some of your go-to machines and why? I think anything with like a, a pull down or a row is really useful. Like, I mean, when it comes to, hey, I want one machine in my gym, then having like a dual cable setup is great. Uh, next on my list is like a leg extension, leg curl setup, because we've, we've got like a lying leg curl, uh, leg press. We've got a pull down a row combo. I think the pull down a row combo definitely gets the most work, um, especially now we've got all those fancy new handles. Uh, that they're sort of my go-to and then from that it'd be things like leg press and, and the cable machine itself because i think that's just so versatile in what you can do with it from a one hand or a two hand scenario um you've just got so much versatility in terms of exercise and things like that mm-hmm. i spent a lot of time hammering everyone with belt squats because we got a belt squat and i was like hey we've all got a belt squat now so we should all belt squat now i'm just like oh, i don't want a belt squat anymore i want a pendulum squat I just want to give everyone pendulum squats. It'll just be the next thing. But um, I've been banned from buying equipment just because I saw it on Instagram and I wanted it in my life uh, for a little while. So what what about you? What gets hammered up your way? Pendulum squats are definitely a good way to fuck you up in in a good way. Um, For me, like the, the, again, the, the top on the list in terms of, not my personal preference, but my personal preference as a coach and what I yeah, use yeah. to, to help correct lifters. Um, leg press is going to be at the top of the list. And then following that would be a cable machine of some sort, ideally like a road lap pull down um, and high-low pulley combo of some sort. But essentially you could just have a high-low pulley and do a row and lap pull down on it anyway. Yeah, exactly. But a, a cable machine of some sort. Um, I, I've got lots of machines now and I love them all. I, I think yeah. they're all... Uh, we have a few machines that are a little bit less conventional to see, I guess, in a, in a powerlifting gym. You know, forget the neck machine for a second. Things like uh, we've got three different chest presses. We've got a different, couple of different shoulder presses. Actually, one of my favorite machines in the gym is a, a Viking press. I think it's great for oh, yeah, nice. um, just adding in a, a little bit of a constraint to the shoulder press, but also allowing you to work in that range. And you can load it up pretty hard, change the angle you're pressing at. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Belt squats are always an interesting one. Um, I always find belt squats for back rehab an interesting one because they tend to foster people to do real shit things with their pelvis and their brace mm. uh, and tend to be like the opposite of what you want to do as part of back rehab in terms of developing good habits for position when you return to squats and deadlifts. It's, it's yeah, a- I, I think a lot of that's in the detail in how you coach it. Like, like you said with the yeah. leg press example before, right? I think for so long the the way to use a belt squat was seen as like the really west sidey way like we took this west side based machine and everyone was like well that's how you use a belt squat so everyone's like squatting with super vertical shins super wide stance like barely any knee flexion just bending over heaps of the waist 
for me, like a well-executed belt squat is just a squat with the load in a different position. Yeah. Right? So like I coach it in this exactly the same way as I would coach a regular squat. It's like for me the next step between like a leg press and a and a barbell variation because it still allows you, like you said, it does certainly allow you to lose some of that connection from an upper body standpoint. Ours has got handles in a nice position where actually more often than not, I'm encouraging people to like lean into it a little bit. I think that's the thing that a lot of people do poorly in a, in a belt squat is they end up leaning back into the belt which then puts them into that like really extended position, limits the range of motion they can get to. I think most people actually need to let themselves tilt forward, like hinge at the hip a little bit in order to still find that uh, mid-foot position that you're looking for in a regular squat. That's, I think, in terms of cues, like that idea of leaning into it, staying further forward in your foot is the thing that I see most often butchered. Um mm. But because I think done well, it can be really well. It feels really awkward for a lot of people, though. Uh, I think, especially if you're a smaller person using one of the big belt squat belts. We got a small one recently uh, because we had cut a, into you. Yeah, well, we had a belt squat belt that fits me because everything in this gym was bought because I wanted to use it first <laughs> and foremost. Um, and so for our like 65 kilo women, that wasn't super effective. And so it became just awkward. And there's a lot of belt in the way and it, and it just kind of makes it a bit harder. Um, there are certainly some people I, I wouldn't use it for in the same way because they don't quite have, they're not ready for that step from like a leg press to something else or they need load in a, in a different position. But I think like anything, if you cue it well enough and you have the right intent behind how you talk about what to focus on, because again, I think it's really easy to be like, all right, well, my focus is on stacking plates on this fucking belt squat and being a badass motherfucker. Um, you can A, realize that doing belt squats isn't going to make you a badass motherfucker and B, you can take some of that weight off and actually execute them in a way that carries over really well. Mm. Yeah, no, it's interesting you said the thing about like leaning back against the belt and then going into extension. It's almost like when people do that, the belt gives them a tactile cue to arch their back. Yeah. It's teaching them and forcing them to arch their back. Um, Yeah, I I do the same thing when I'm using it personally is kind of lean forward into it and let the, the belt pull my knees forward so i'm getting into mm. knee flexion and trying to fuck up my quads yeah i'm i like i i teach it as a almost as a knees only movement like i want you to initiate it with the knees going forward and focus on knees forward as you descend because that's for most people what's going to take them from leaning back into that belt into a position where they're actually legitimately in the middle of their foot and squatting well i think also the setup itself on the belt squat is important like making sure that you're set over the top of where the pivot point is uh, for the belt itself it's really easy on most belt squats to end up too far behind that hook yeah and and that's that's going to pull you into that really extended position as well that's certainly the most commonly fucked up things i've seen why don't we continue on the what do you fuck up in your movements uh discussion because i think there's gold here for actual people in other things that we see commonly butchered from a powerlifting specific position Uh, I was going to, so, and this will segue into answering that question. I was going to say one of the most underrated and maybe it's not underrated, but it's certainly one of, in my opinion, the best exercises or best machines to use to fix powerlifting problems for the upper body is some sort of chest supported row, ideally like an incline chest supported T bar row, something where you can take your shoulders yeah. way back behind you. You can yep. really hit like the, the trinity of shoulder movement in terms of like scap retraction, depression, thoracic extension. Um, 
and then to answer your question, I think, uh, or I believe probably the most butchered exercises in all of powerlifting training are rows and lat pull downs. Yep. Purely because there's this like motion, big back, big bench, strong back is going to make everything else stronger. It's like, no, no, no. We should be using these exercises to train uh, the control and positions of the shoulders first and foremost and then scale the load up. So the most common mistake that people make is just not going through the kind of ranges that their shoulders are supposed to go through. Like you think if you're trying to control your shoulders in a low bar squat, think how far your arms have to come back. Mm. And that's going to be relative as well to about how far your arms have to come back when you're performing a bench press. And so when you're doing a row, that's what your primary focus should be. Not thinking strong lats, because guess what? Squats and deadlifts are training your lats to be strong at their role in that, not the row or the lat pulldown, because your arms don't do that while you're doing a squat and deadlift, right? So use this more to think about like shoulder position on squat and bench press um, and make a range the first and foremost focus and then start to load it up. Yeah, I um I think watching people like we we have a couple of different rowing machines. We've got a incline chest supporter row like you talked about that has uh both like a, a straight handle and a forty five degree yeah. handle. And yeah, I find nice. the forty five degree handles really nice for teaching inexperienced people how to get that range because there's something about being in that slightly more rotated position of a straight bar that makes it a bit more complex for people so that we sort of use that as a progression almost um but then we've also got a it's not really a machine as much as it is a bench but like a um, seal row row bench uh that i use both with we've got like a swiss bar with neutral grip handles and then we've got a cambered bar as well which is useful for getting that bit of extra range um but yeah the the ease with which people just completely butcher all manner of rows and variations like that because they just want to stack a ton of weight on it is um, concerning, I think. Mm. I, I, I would come back to leg press as well. Again, people get obsessed with moving the, the sled from point A to point B. Think about if you're, if you're invested in powerlifting, you need to be thinking about, okay, what is the range our hips are going through? Let's focus on that. So go through a full range. Um, what is the position of my feet? What are my hips doing? Focus on making that mirror your squat because this is where it's going to be useful. Um, what does my pelvis do when I squat or what do I not want it to do? You don't want it to round under. You don't want to extend. So make sure you're using the constraint of the back pad to feel where your back is in space and make sure that's all locked in. Um, if you can do that, you'll get a lot more out of the leg press. But the trade-off is that you're probably going to do less weight than you can do if you just load it up. And this is the thing with machines. It's like, forget the weight, focus on the performance of the exercise and the intended purpose of it for you. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. I think leg, leg press and, and belt squat get butchered in pretty much the same manner. It's just there's more ways to butcher a belt squat yeah. than there are in a, in a leg press because of the nature of the movement itself. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is, again, something we've talked about with uh, in terms of like how you program these exercises into a training uh, plan. But that's where for me, having different exercise categories helps me uh, explain how that works and why that the weight on the leg press doesn't matter. So being able to talk about uh, a leg press, say as a developmental exercise, as opposed to an output exercise allows us to frame that conversation in a way that makes it just, it gives that one extra touch point of like, Hey, don't forget that this is why it's in the program. And if you don't understand why it's in the program, then you need to talk to your coach or figure out what you're doing from that point of view. Cause for the most part, 
a good coach will be able to answer those questions. Like here's, it's not just like, oh, quad strength. It's like, hey, this is how it fits in and here's how we're going to put it into the system. Here's where it fits in the training cycle because we want these uh, adaptations out of it. And if you can't have that conversation as a coach with your athlete, then you probably need to do a little bit of critical thinking about your life and what you're doing. Hmm. I got a lateral raise machine. It's kind of useless, but it's really fun. <laughs> I'm just keen to come to your uh gym for like a week and do nothing but neck training <laughs> i've just lost a bunch of weight and so i'm sleeping better so i feel like just getting really fucking yoked is gonna reduce my sleep uh again and then i'll just go back to living life on adrenaline and caffeine exactly be stupid not to who doesn't want a fucking yoked neck though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I- I haven't seen it be used in a while. <laughs> I'll be honest. Did you go through the phase of like using it every day for a week and then just not touching it for six months? No, I used it a few times, but not anything um, consecutive like that. I think I've used it three times. I would have been using it semi-regularly. I, I went through like three weeks when we first got our cable stack yeah. of like just doing stupid bro workouts on it every day. It was great. There's a few jujitsu guys. They They tend to like it, so... Yeah, that made, certainly makes sense in that scenario. And like your footy players, things like that. There's definitely merit in it. Yeah, that's what I tell myself anyway. Beyond yeah, beyond just <laughs> having a fucking yoked neck and never being able to buy a business shirt. Exactly. I don't have a great deal else to say on machines. No, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of any, anything else that people butcher, but those are the main ones in my eyes. Yeah, I... Um, I can't like it without going into individual movements in a way that is uh, probably long and drawn out. I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to talk about. I think the most surprising uh, machine use. So I bought I bought some machines that I thought, okay, these may not get used, and if they don't get used, I'll just on sell them because you know someone will want to buy them. Yeah. Um, and the machines that I thought were not going to get touched that get used a lot every day is I bought it like adductor and abductor machines like they're both individual machines and they get pumped (laughs) people love the things it's really surprising yeah there's definitely a novelty factor in there somewhere Mm. um but yeah i've got a extensive list of machines i'd like to buy but my problem is running out of space to put them (laughs) in spots spots where i don't have to move them because that's actually how I set my gym up is like, how can I move everything the least amount possible on yes. comp day? And having to move a whole bunch of fucking heavy ass machines just makes me feel a bit ill. Yeah. I've lured myself into the illusion that if I buy something, when it shows up, someone else will have to deal with it. But in reality, <laughs> it's me. Fuck. Like, uh, you got a gym manager. I'm like, ah, oh, James can sort it out. And then I'm like, where the fuck do we put this thing? Yeah. James, James like, Thomas, can you help me with this, please? <laughs> where's Where, the screwdriver? So where's this meant to go? <laughs> All right. Well, Excellent. that's enough. Goodbye. See you.